Hi everybody and welcome to the David Cassidy Connections with another episode of Memories and Stories Around His Legacy. I hope you're fit and well, taking care of yourselves, family and friends. And don't forget, you can stay in touch with me via email louisepointon at outlook.com or via the links on all podcast platforms wherever you're listening. The David Cassidy Connections with Louise Poynton. Cherish the legacy. Lucy Fitchett and Victoria Willing have been friends since their school days in London and in 2010 wrote a successful play. Their production, Could It Be Forever, was given its premiere at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, winning five-star reviews. The play was based around their teenage love for David and built around the reunion of six school friends who revisit what life was like when David visited London in the 1970s. I interviewed them about their friendship and how David felt about their production for my book Cherish, David Cassidy, A Legacy of Love. The production examines how they and their own lives have changed over the years. Lucy and Victoria are now revisiting their initial idea and reworking the script. In this exclusive interview with me, they bounce ideas around, speak openly about the feelings they had for David, what he represented, the importance of friendships through fan worship, and explain why they would like the input from fans who also experienced firsthand Cassidy mania in the 1970s. First, you will hear from Victoria, who explains the concept behind Could It Be Forever? Right at the beginning of writing, in fact, we had spoken, this is 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we'd spoken about um, creating a kind of patchwork of memory, I think was our kind of tagline of it, in which we have people in the present day going back to a point in time, but the whole thing isn't done chronologically anyway. So you you don't just have present and past, you have them going back and forth, but within that you might have other bits of present and other bits of past. So much more of a, a mishmash, which also could lend itself to a smaller cast, which might be easier to stage. Because we have it so specifically about people in the present going back to a point in 1973, those same people who were then 50 when we wrote the play now have to be pretty much 60, uh, which is fine, but it's just people that... Uh, as we're 60, I can vouch that I'm a bit different at 60 to how I was at 50. The kind of worries, interests and preoccupations are slightly different. And so it, it's really how do you tell the story of people who are now 60 jumping back. So there was something about um, as you're coming into a sort of world of fertility and experience you're also at 50 going out in the same way you know that and a lot of mothers of 50 have very young teenage kids not so much at 60 so there's just like a slightly different um emphasis i think that we need to really find that we haven't found yet about what is the story that we want to tell Mm. about 60 year olds revisiting their early teens you know, we really want to bring it back because I think there's, a, there's an important story there. That uh, still, yeah. It's still fundamentally the same story, but the characters may change a bit or we may, we may eliminate some characters. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think it kind of has added pathos and, or if that's the right word, not, kind of, not, not, not to be kind of gooey about it, but potentially the world being as it is, the sweetness and the yearning 
kind mm. of becomes even large, can potentially become larger mm. and even more pathos in there with people in their 60s who are starting to look down the, the tunnel, mm. if you like, you know? Mm. And, and he, the fact he's gone now, we can use that. We, we couldn't use that before. Mm. And we can now potentially somehow in, in include the, that in yeah. some way. Not maybe not logic, you know, maybe not literally, literally him being dead, but something around that. What we wanted to do in the play was essentially it was a play set in the present, which looked back at the past as opposed to a play set in the past that jumps into the present. It's as much about what it means to be a middle aged woman um, looking back at your your early teens as as being in your early teens, if you see what I mean. So, well, we've both been actresses for many years on and off. And I've found when I've gone for auditions past about 45, that women in their late 40s, 50s, 60s are represented as a, a very specific stereotype. Mm. And um, it's unfair to be seen that way because women have all the same intensity of feelings that they've always had. And I was going up for things in which I was like a, a, a little old granny, you know, 48 or whatever. And I was thinking, this isn't right. We're not like this. There must be some other way to, to show people of our age that kind of doesn't do a disservice to who we are. So it was about that too. And David, again, gave us that opportunity really. So, so is your plan to revisit everything? Yeah, we'd love to. I mean, I think, I think what we've been talking about, or we're starting to talk about using the COVID situation and the ways that plays and anything live is being kind of reinvented. But that can be a positive thing, potentially, and, and it could add a kind of added element of how, of the, of the, of the sort of nature of the play, you know, if, if we didn't do it just as a proscenic, cross-arch you know, or studio play, if we did it in some kind of other reinvented way. In the um, theatre world, there's quite an argument going on, certainly on social media, about what are people going to want um, when things improve, which hopefully at some point they will will people want escapism or will they want lots of plays about being locked down you mm -hmm. know and there's a real argument about well people just want escapism and fun and there's other people saying but they want to make sense of what they've been through and perhaps they want to so I mean I think there's always a danger in writing a play people might want to see or might not want to see and actually you just have to go and write the play that you that's fun to write and that is a story mm -hmm. you want to tell you know and it will fit in or it won't fit in because it's just so hard to know you can't anticipate you can't write for what people might want you have to write what you want <laughs> otherwise there's no enthusiasm for it and you're yeah, not that's quite, the you're right not quite trusting there. yourself no exactly um, Whereas if it's something that you love and want to say, people are going to, some people at least are going to love and want yeah. to hear it. Yeah, totally. Um, I suppose what you need to do is capture the cultures and the way of life as it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How that has evolved and in effect tell the story of the last 50 years. And, yes. how, you know, back in the 70s, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have yeah. access to our teen idols um, or our stars of stage or screen the way we do now. Yes, um, you know, I, I find it interesting. You speak to a new generation, and they have no idea what a scrapbook is about. They also have so there's something about having immediate access yeah. to somebody that you idolise that makes them less 
important somehow. And maybe that's not true for the young people, they would disagree. But, if, you know, if you could follow David Cassidy on Twitter and he just says, you know, I had eggs for breakfast or something, at the minute he's had the eggs for breakfast, you feel sort of connected in many ways, but you also feel like you have a bit of him that you didn't feel you could ever have by looking at a picture in a magazine. And so you would just, all your adoration, all your, all your excitement would go into that one photo of black and white photo of his face in an interview. And you could project everything you wanted onto that mm. you know you didn't really need to know what he had for breakfast if you know what I mean or you'd find out three months later <laughs> but uh, there's something about the magic of of it being partly your own imagination because of course that sort of idealization and that sort of love including of the music in a way is all wrapped up in something that is about you not yeah. just about yeah. them and yeah. and so if you're given access to them, it kind of ruins the magic sometimes as well, which is also what our play was about, you mm. know. Mm. Uh, we want you, we want you, oh, we don't come too close because we love the imagining how you are, you know. Mm. When you're a teenager, you've got the magazines, you've got the records, you've got, you know, the posters on your wall. Often that is never enough. Mm. You want to have, back in the 70s, a little bit more. So mm. you would write letters. If you got a reply, I've got something that nobody else has got. I've got a little piece of him, a signed photograph that belongs just to me. And then the next level is that this adoration can sometimes become quite a frightening obsession. Yeah. So you've got really three levels of fan worship. You know, you've got the fans who would go to concerts. Oh, yeah, scream, scream away. You've got the fans who collect all the memorabilia, are anxious to have a little bit more than their friends. But then you've got the other level of fans who become massively obsessed. It's a projection, isn't it, of one's own situation. And it it provides solace. Mm. It provides an answer because you know you'll never have it. And the thing you can never have is very powerful Mm. (laughs) until you can have it and then it loses its power. Mm. And... um, and that, again, was in a way what David Casty represented in the play. He was what they call a MacGuffin in film writing, which is the thing that you really think you want, that actually it ends up not being about that. It ends up being about friendship amongst that group. Mm. It was more about the, the, the unity of these group, this group of young kids who are friends and what it meant for their friendship and yeah. how it brought them together and how it... Um, kind of signified what their life was all about at a particular moment, very, very uh, um, important moment in your sort of burgeoning adolescence mm. and all that. So it was more about, you thought it was about David Castor, but it was really about each other. Mm. And I think a lot of when you see those wonderful, the wonderful film footage of the girls screaming and the, I remember going to Wembley Arena mm. and I'd never been to a concert before and I was with my two two girlfriends. Lucy wasn't there. It wasn't you, was it? No, Jason I went with else. Anyway, yeah. we stood on our chairs right at the back and we screamed and screamed and screamed. And there was just something so um, weirdly unifying about the three of us all having the guts to scream in front of each other. It's kind of nutty because when it started, I thought, I'm not getting up. I'm not an idiot. Ah! <laughs> I lost it about two seconds before I was on my chair, completely overwhelmed. 
and oh, then dear. that was completely mirrored when we went to see him that that, that was oh, 70s my. evening thing at, oh the at, 70s at evening at Wembley, Wembley. we, we exactly went the in same. 2009 or something yeah it? must have been yeah and yeah we sort of as soon as he started singing could it be forever we just <laughs> <laughs> we didn't exactly stand on our chairs and scream because nobody else was and but we just looked at each other and thought we have to write this play squeal. we, we yeah. did squeal and sigh at the same time yeah. in the biggest possible way that you could squeal and sigh at the same time they it was an it was an absolute you know madeleine moment in a proustian sense of sort of there is something that you taste or smell or see mm. here it was hearing really that just transports you right back to that mm. very same feeling and you were instantly transported to that same feeling not just remembering yeah. it but being um, it literally. really what we wanted with mm. the play as yeah. well is these they actually are transported to yeah. the moment of being it yeah yeah i last saw him in 74 at white city i'd seen him at wembley the year before 74 at white city then I didn't see him again until 2002 at the Hammersmith Apollo. I went with my sister yeah. and we were in the balcony and he ran on stage. And in that instant, exactly as you described, I was yeah. back there. Yeah. I was a teenager from yeah. all night because the emotion was mm. just so deep. Mm. And I thought, oh, my God. Mm. And yeah, so you know, the butterflies, feelings. I mean, even getting ready for the show that night, it was like going on a date. And I was really surprised mm. at the emotions that resurfaced. Um, but after mm. a few minutes and he started to, to sing and chat to the audience, it, it was just magical. It was pure mm. magic. And the one thing everybody says, no matter what has happened to us and whatever happened to him, we never forget the way he made us feel. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. But he was also, he was also yeah. a safe love, wasn't he? he? He was, I mean, that was what was so interesting about it because you, we would, I was certainly too young to want to put that love onto actual people that might give me something back. I don't, didn't, it's too dangerous. Whereas, whereas to love someone at a distance that you know you can't really, you can sort of practice um, the, those feelings. You can the intensity of the feelings is such that it kind of gets you used to feeling what it must feel like to feel love for someone else that isn't just your mum and dad or whatever. It's it's a very um, it's a very good way to try out feelings. I think. Um, and again, it, it's in a way, sadly for David Cassidy, it wasn't really about David. I mean, it was about David Cassidy, but those, that intensity, it, it, it's almost illogical, really. <laughs> that intensity of feeling, it, it's about adolescence, I suppose, and the intensity of feeling of adolescence as everything is new and being discovered. Mm. You didn't have 30-year-olds necessarily feeling the same way about David Cassidy. You may have done some, but it wasn't the wasn't the same he gave everyone an opportunity to fall in love um, at a very young age while being at a safe distance really yeah. Yeah. and he um we he was in touch with us wasn't he yeah 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 but lucy you were in touch with the website do you want me to tell you again yeah go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. i love it for the for the people out there <laughs> uh, i think we were in touch with the website just to say that the play was going to happen I think but not in any kind of particular way no actually in actual fact I don't think we were I think the letter came before that yeah he found that's us, right somebody mm -hmm. a fan or something 
flagged up the fact that this play was happening in Edinburgh and da 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 da, and what it was, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And completely out of the blue, we got an email written by David Cassidy, completely unsolicited. He was how honoured he was to be the subject of, of the play. He knew all about Edinburgh, really respected it. And because he, he came from a theatre background, obviously, so he knew and was interested in it all. And it just, it was a, beaut- it was a lovely, lovely letter. We should it, have asked know, him if I he wanted honored. to come and be in it. Yeah, well, we did, we, did think about, we, we did think about getting him to do the voiceover and all of that. Yeah. But at the, at the time, you know, now it's a shame we didn't. But yeah. now we know. Yeah. <laughs> why that didn't come to pass because obviously it was uh, quite chaotic at that time I imagine his it was a shame because I think he would have liked he loved theatre and he would have loved it from from what I've what he's yeah. I've heard him say but yeah he, he I mean I still I would still love you know potentially for his family to be able to mm. see it or have some involvement because mm. it is a it's a really sort of imaginative homage to his life and to mm. what he made people feel and I you know I can't imagine that they wouldn't be moved by that I mean everybody was moved by the play it did have a magic does have a magic to it and that's not just us as writers saying that it has a magic that that transcended what we did and it has a magic that that we didn't realize the extent of until it went in front of an audience we would love it to have a another life and I think I mean I I've no doubt there is an audience in the world for it absolutely no doubt it did transcend it wasn't just the fans it wasn't just the fans who saw it and the reviews are are a testament to that and I think it took reviewers by surprise they didn't they didn't realize that it wasn't going to be just a sort of jukeboxy but actually (laughs) you know going back to what we were saying before about do people want to feel good will people want feel good or will they want something that means more actually what i thought when vicky was saying that is that the play is actually both of those things Mm. that is what the play is Mm. it really is both of those things so it sort of almost fits the time now more than it fitted the time then. Yeah, are you looking for fans, women of our age today, to help you with your research, with background material about it, so you get a full picture of what the over fifties experienced? Yeah, you know, any anything like that would be amazing, and that anyone who you know had an interest in how it might go forward or whatever, of course, as well. It's yeah, very, definitely. it's very interesting because it's not something that we really gave much thought to because. Specifically, when we wrote at the beginning, it was very much sort of the two of us in a room remembering what it was like in the old days and writing it down. And it was really personal and really like our form of escapism from it, you know, and we turned it into this play. And of course, actually, there is so much. I mean, there was a whole part of the play is set um, when... um, David Casty came and stayed on the boat and the Thames. There's a whole sort of section, which is about the, the, the characters remembering when they tried to get to him on the boat, basically. And there's this sort of dramatic scene where they're jumping into the Thames and stuff. And that is just from what we remembered from the time. But of course, you know, there were people who were actually really involved in, yeah. in all that as fans, you know. They did jump in the water and all that and also, almost more interestingly, how it feels to be now 50 years on or, you know, how those feelings resonate now, because it's, it's hard to write about 
reality about how things really are now and how people feel how I suppose it's about how he's relevant to the way people feel but certainly anyone who has memories that might be useful or who has something about any anecdotes about how they react now is very useful to listening to the music or how it's affected their relationships in their adult lives having having um that relationship with david from a distance um and i think also particularly as we were saying not particularly but as well that the sort of overview now he said mm, you know yeah um, absolutely it becomes a different thing yeah and I'm, I'm sure for a lot of people there will have been resonances because of that and mm. particularly in the times that we're in you know dread dread times of dread and everything else and mm. as Vicky said think you know not just people going oh yes I loved him it brought back you know the all these lovely memories but you know literally more specifically about being now um what we found hardest to write even first time round were the modern scenes yeah. because um, it's it's great to do scenes set in the past because we all know about Jackie Magazine. We can all remember specific things about those teenage years and it can, it can be quite funny, you know, talking about fringe jackets or whatever, patchwork jackets. And, but it's the stuff in the present that we've really struggled. We want truth about how it is to be this age now. Mm. Um, and something about the fact that he's gone... Mm. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, not not just the fact that we can conjure him up because that's kind of the easy bit in mm-hmm. a way. You know, that, as you said, we can conjure him up those feelings really, you know, easily. All of us can, mm-hmm. but w- we could because you know we 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 writers and actors and all that stuff. You know, we we could do that. Mm-hmm. It's it's something about the fact that he is not with us anymore, mm-hmm. but of course he is. And There's something like really interesting about that. I how think. people compare yeah. their lives to, you know, like, oh, my husband's not like David Cassidy. You know, <laughs> how yeah. people, how yeah. people, whether people have tried to yeah. find um, something that's like him in the real world, whether they've, whether they've grown up and moved searching. on, and you know, the searching. Thing, the, there's something about the longing for something that yeah. you're about, something about dreams coming true, or, or searching for. A perfection that I guess is never there. I don't know. So yeah, I guess guess the play always was about mortality in a way, and um, about uh, aging is such an awful word, isn't it? But about what 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 what's it all about? His last words that he spoke, supposedly anyway, that his daughter said, which was so much wasted time for me, really poignant. And also, obviously, if any producers listening to this would like to. Take it on and find some funding for it. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, grateful. Indeed. Thank you very much. Indeed, absolutely. Um, yeah. But yes, we're, I mean, we're, we're thinking out loud a lot here because we're still in the process of rewriting and, and wondering. We're still at quite an early stage of wondering where we go with it now in terms of the story, because the story is everything. We just need... We've got the fundamentals of the story. It's still the same play, but we have to change aspects because he's gone, like Lucy said, because we're older um, and and the world has changed a bit. So, and the other thing yeah. you you, um, you touched on, you know, we all had pen pals in the in the 70s. Some people mm. are still friends with the same people. See, that's really interesting. I mm. think that's, that's really, there's potential there. 
And of course, what the fans are doing now, creating memorials and tributes for him all the time. Mm. Everyone's kind of seeking a validation of their affection mm. and love for him yes. because yeah. there was nothing yeah. to David. Yeah, it, and it does feel like that. It feels very odd. Mm. I, I, you know, when I think I do feel, you know, kind of, it almost makes me feel kind of annoyed. There's some something about us. I'm going to feel annoyed with him in a funny way. Yeah, I can't really explain why that should be. How it's, dare he leave me? Well, how dare he leave? <laughs> yeah. and how, and how dare he not really quite understand how yeah. much he was loved in a way? I mean, yes, I know he yes, did on yes. one level. He couldn't see what he did have. Yeah, it would be about what he didn't have. I wonder whether his his the height of his fame helped him or hindered him. People write a lot about how it must have damaged him to be so famous. It may also have helped him in some ways. Yeah. Can I just say That's something it. about the the girl waving on the boat going past David, and he turns round and waves and says, "I love you too." Yes. I was just imagining if that was now, right? Yeah. So she's a teenager. She she's got her phone, phone with her. She's on a boat. She goes past David. He turns around. She's filming it all. By lunchtime, it's gone viral because she's put it on Twitter. And by the end of the week, they've all forgotten about mm. it. And it's all mm. ancient history because she's sort of got it all out of her mm. system. Mm. And, and instead, she's held on to that memory yeah. for 50 years, yeah. for 40-odd yeah. years. Yeah. And it's more powerful than it could ever be yeah, if definitely. she'd captured it on film definitely. and put it on Twitter by lunchtime. Definitely. It's just so... The world is so different in that way. Things just... Things are less precious somehow. The, yeah. the film is in her head and she can play it as often as she likes and actually telling somebody they've got the same film in their heads it might look a bit different to her film but they know but that those, film, those they feelings, get those, film yeah those feelings um, can't be taken yeah. away yeah. Well, yeah of a very meaningful time you know it was yeah. I mean there was there was turbulence at the time as well I think that's what yes. how much time are you giving yourself to to revisit the play and get the structure together it's very stop and start at the moment because of covid and the fact that we haven't really been able to get get together and mm. so we end up doing bits of writing separately and then sort of sending it to each other and then having a bit of a chat somehow it hasn't sort of it's a, it's not going as quickly as it should and i've also found that creatively I found lockdown really stilting, really hard. And I found it very hard to be creative. So I put it down to me being a bit of a wuss about it all. But we did, have, yeah. just just as mm. lockdown happened, we did, we were talking to a producer mm. um, and it, who was very, very interested in the idea. I won't, I won't mention about who they are for the time being. But yeah. he was he was very interested. I had a long chat, and then that what that led to was Vicky and I kind of coming up with a potential game plan for moving for for moving forward with the play and doing the things that we kind of always sort of wanted to, but we never really did. Think, when it comes you know, down to it, you just have um, to put in the groundwork. You have to just do the blinking writing, and obviously, yeah. And so which, the, yeah. The, the, it's just we still have a lot of hard work to do and um but you know obviously that's why we're wanting to we're thinking and talking potentially to people about sort of different ways of staging it because that could be in a kind of energy to you know it feels as though the sort of the right energy and the right engine and the right sort of strands are there are starting to be there now if you like to make it it's taken kind of longer than we than we 
had hoped so far, but um, but I, but I, I think, think potentially with the world as it is and all the things that we've spoken about, I think potentially if it were to happen, you know, within the next six months that we wrote, that we came up with what we were happy with, that it would be the right time because of everything. But it does need a, a rewrite for yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. And the story totally, will have to, yeah. to go with it. But certainly the, the essence of it will be the same, the, the, the spirit of it, if you like. And but, yeah, and interesting, when, when we were talking to this producer, just and he was saying about all the producers, the West End, etc., having said, oh, you know, um, everything's been about the 80s. Every, mm. Everyone is, and the, the 50s and the 80s, everyone has been wanting, and everyone has been, you know, and all that kind of thing. And the, the next one, the next big one is going to be the 70s. That's what they're, they're, all these producers are kind of in their head, you know? Of course, it's not a musical as such. Yeah. It hasn't got original music in it. It's not, people don't burst into song. It has David Cassidy music in it, which uh, goes over some of the story and cuts scenes. in between scenes and so on. But the, it's not, it is a play with David Cassidy music in it. So yeah. it's got a slight, it's not, um, it's just slightly different. It's just slightly different. Place, placing um, placing it to what it would be if it was, you know, it's not the band about um, Take That or it's not it's not that kind of a no, thing. No, 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 absolutely. Um, I mean, I had that conversation with him as well because before he'd read it, he hadn't read it at that point. Um, and, and I explained it's a play with music and the music is intrinsic to a lot of the scenes that you know they're they're in they're in amongst the music they're reacting to the music the scene the music gives the scenes life so it's not all incidental but yeah it's not a oh here we are with our microphones all sing david Cassidy or the Oscar. it's a different sort it's, of subtle yeah it's mm. a bit more subtle but yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean i i love a good old sing-along musical but it's not that kind of a, a thing really it's about how people feel about him. So it features him as somebody that represents how people feel about him. So it's definitely not a life story because, uh, I mean, far be it from me to write about his life. It's more about how he, it's almost more of a love story to him than that, in fact. It's more about, uh, about yeah. the fans, really, and, and how the fans project onto him feelings and how he satisfies those feelings in people because of his music and how he looked and how people, you know, were desperate to get that magazine at the end of the week so that they could, you know, make a t-shirt like the one in the picture that he's wearing or whatever it is. And it's that enthusiasm that, that we're really exploring and how that enthusiasm, what it means then so many years later. And because it's very time specific, then the people in the present have to be a certain age. They have to be, you know, around 60. So. Yeah, and it's about, it's about that and it's about themes through him, if you like. Some themes that are about his life, but also that are universal, but that also we linked with the, the characters as well, you know. We, we may put him back in because, yeah, because yeah, our first yeah, reading yeah. at Soho Theatre that we had, he featured as, um, as a sort of separate entity talking from uh, the bottom of a van that he's lying in, so um, yeah. wrapped in a blanket, looking at the rust on the ceiling of the van. And so we had him as this sort of ghost-like figure, as, as a sort of separate entity, yeah. not part of yeah. the direct action, but talking about how he feels. Like, and we know that footage of him 
jumping into the van as he's driven away, lying there shivering, being covered by blankets with the fans banging on the... About him kind of zoning out and looking at the rust and, and about what it must have been like to be him. So we may put him back yeah. in as, it was as a, a yeah. spokesperson for, yeah. for him. Uh, it, it depends yeah. whether it fits in with the story and it may be that it, it's right to put him back in it, really. Mm -hmm. And a lot about that, a lot of what we wrote about that was that theme of isolation, him being mm. isolated, lonely. Yeah. You know, the world thinking it was all one way and of course it really wasn't that way and all of those things, which is just so fascinating and also so barbaric the way yeah. he was actually treated in terms of being dumped at the same age as your son is now it's the same age as <laughs> and it's extraordinary i mean how how he managed to stay as sane as he did for a number of years yeah. he did my god i think the time is right for, for you to do this yeah thank you louise that's really encouraging yeah actually. it is, it is. Really yeah hear your own adventure with your book is is almost the same you know it's the same kind of journey isn't it yes. you know of this yes if someone could just say something we just go oh my god that yeah. makes that brings yeah. just oh that's that that's the horse we have to get onto you know yes. what is his legacy in people's immediate present day lives um in terms of how it's maybe changed them and how they feel now type of people they became because of him so it's really a life story about us but hopefully that that gives people huge satisfaction in a slightly different way we reflected um back at them uh, hopefully as much as possible no it's, a, it's a very p powerful thing that we all do you know we we just need acceptance that he was special that there was something unique about him which affected the type of people we became yeah. And so many say, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have taken that career path. If it wasn't for him, I just wouldn't have become, I wouldn't have become the person I am. I mean, that's a powerful legacy in itself for any one person to leave. Yeah, totally. You know, I'm, I'm sure that your play will, will, will reflect all that in the way that everyone wants to remember him. When he died, it was just like nothing, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, remember this bloke from the 70s? You know, they're like, sorry, you, you kind of, you do have an idea of how big he is. So why is everybody pretending that he, that he wasn't? I feel very inspired to sort of um, keep going with it because I think it, as writers, yeah. I think it's very hard when you've done something a long time ago and it's just so hard to get anything going. Never mind something that you're, that you've already done and you're thinking how, why and how what what's the point and how's the point and you know is it would be about telling it in a new way you know it, quite often you're writing with no idea if anybody's ever going to see it read it be interested in it yeah. turn up put any money in you know and so quite often because writing plays is just about writing for performance and so it needs a performance for it to exist it's not um, and so it's it, it can be it can be difficult writing knowing that it might ne nobody might ever be interested in seeing it. Mm. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, as there was before I mean, there were great reviews before mm. but we didn't have massive audiences the very fact that he's dead as well people yeah. will want to have that experience even more quite possibly no one else has written the, the david cassidy play if you yeah. like you know no one else has except us as you were saying before it is about the friendship now yeah. there's a greater connection because yeah. everyone yeah. was brought together because of 
one man and his music, but yeah. they now have a stronger friendship, a stronger mm. relationship than they perhaps mm. would have had as teenagers because we're yes. more mature. Their friendships, they're able to value those also. You know, that, that makes it even more important, doesn't it? Mm. And also anyone who has sort of kept in touch, it, it, there's something powerful about yeah. it, isn't there? Very, Whereas very. Uh, in your teens, you're just, you're just living by the seat of your pants from one you day are. to the next. You don't really, yeah. you're just trying to fit in. You're trying to stand out. You're yeah. trying to, yeah. you're trying to, uh, you know, find your be identity. original and you're trying to be conventional all at the same time it's an absolute nightmare and you know the and, and friends come and go so quickly because uh because you you're just you're changing all the time i yeah. suppose and the things that you like are changing yeah and the ch friends yeah. change with and so the friends that are united by david cassidy that there's something there that never quite goes because everyone understands because hey you know you stood on that chair next to me screaming at him in yeah. the dark we know what it we we have that if anyone would like to contact victoria and lucy they can be reached via email dctheplay at hotmail.com i want to thank everyone who's bought a copy of cherish and for all your wonderful emails telling me how much the book means to you. So until we connect again, stay safe, take care of yourselves and each other.